Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Hawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 48 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and on this fine Monday, there is uh, actual Atlanta Hawks basketball that you can watch on television. Uh, for those of us who live in or around the Atlanta area, the first two preseason games have not been able to be accessed on television or any visual medium uh, for that matter. But tonight, as you're listening to this on Monday, uh, tonight's game is at home against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I will be in attendance with my media credential on, on press row, ready to check out check out this team as they face off with LeBron James and company. Uh, you never know who's going to play for Cleveland and really for Atlanta at the time of this podcast recording, but it'll be nice to get in the building, and that's the backdrop of today's podcast. But before we look ahead, we do have to look back. Um, the Hawks played a preseason game on Saturday. Since we have not had a show since Friday, we did not have a chance to touch on this particular game until now. As I mentioned a second ago, the game was not on television, but it was on local radio on 92.9 The Game here in Atlanta and on the Hawks radio network. Uh, good pal Steve Holman, uh, the best in the business on radio at Real Voice of Hawk on Twitter. Steve's a great guy. He had the call live from San Antonio. It's nice to have Steve back in my life, uh, especially for a road game in which it was the only option. Um, but, you know, a couple of things to note from that particular game. The Hawks were not successful in getting another win. Uh, again, I talk, mentioned this on the first podcast, talking about the first preseason game, but wins and losses are not really that important to me in the preseason, but the Hawks fell short despite a, a furious comeback in the second half of getting another victory over the Spurs. Uh, the team was shorthanded once again. Uh, Paul Millsap, Jarrett Jack, Mike Scott, and Tiago Splitter all did not play in the team's second preseason game. With that, it'll be interesting to see who suits up at home on Monday night at the time of this recording. We do not have any update on uh, an injury report from Monday's game, but by the time you listen to this, it could be out there. So keep an eye on Twitter uh, at Lockdown Hawks or at BT Rolling, which is my personal account, or at Peachtree Hoops for uh, some for some injury updates as they become available from Monday night. Um, but with that said, the, the team was shorthanded. There was a few guys who are unavailable, and that's always something we want to note. Uh, the headliner for the particular game on Saturday was probably, unfortunately, uh, for his sake, the 1-for-13 shooting performance from Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, Hardaway did not make his debut on Thursday in Memphis, but rather on Saturday in San Antonio after something of a conspicuous absence in the opener. Uh, he did play a lot of minutes, um, but did not obviously shoot the ball well, finishing 1-of-13. Finishing uh, not not a ton to take from this, in my opinion, but obviously I think Hardaway and anybody around the team would have loved a better start for him in a year in which they've had really the organization has, has had a lot of good things to say about Tim over the summer and kind of how uh, impressed they were by his by his work over the off season. But uh, that's you know that's sort of the only thing you can really talk about with Hardaway on this particular night without especially without visual evidence is the fact that he just get, could not get a shot to go down. There were, uh, there were some positives, though. Uh, Torian Prince played 28 minutes, the uh, Hawks lottery pick 
played 28 minutes, had 13 points and three steals in the game. Uh, was the leading uh, minute uh, player, leading player in terms of playing time for the Hawks. Not a, not a surprise in that the Hawks don't really have any incentive to keep an eye on his minutes, considering he's young and spry. Um, also, DeAndre Bembry, the other first-round pick, played 22 minutes and was productive at times during the game. Uh, the third rookie, the young son rookie that's also much uh, older and more experienced than the other two, Malcolm Delaney, my personal pick for the uh, the guy of the three that's got the biggest impact this year, uh, finished with a very, very nice evening of 13 points and six assists in 24 minutes against the Spurs. Uh, it should be noted that Will Bynum, a uh, former Georgia Tech standout and NBA veteran, uh, was actually the point guard at the helm when the Hawks made the big second half comeback. So it looks like Delaney's plus minus is a little bit worse than it probably should have been based on his play. But at the same time, he was quite good, quite effective. The six assists is encouraging for a player that isn't a, pers- a pass-first guy uh, by any stretch. But Delaney's skilled, and it should be a nice fit uh, moving forward. Uh, also, uh, speaking of Will Bynum, I mentioned he had a very, very nice game finish with nine points, seven assists, and four rebounds. I think both Bynum and Ryan Kelly, uh, a veteran, veteran big man from Duke, who I actually really like a, a great deal, should probably both those guys should probably be in different camps that they have a, a better opportunity to actually make an NBA roster. I think Ryan Kelly especially is a very Hawksy player. I think I've said that on the podcast before, but he played very well again on Saturday night, and it's, I kind of feel bad that there's really no, for, no, no place for him to go. But Kelly is a nice player, and I think he's an NBA player that should be on a team somewhere. Uh, also, we've now seen Mike Muscala, a favorite of mine, start at, at Power Forward in both preseason games. While the starting lineup is not really that that noteworthy, it should it should be noted at least that Muscala has gotten a lot of playing time. He's been ahead of Chris Humphreys on any theoretical depth chart here, and Muscala is sort of uh, paving the way for some increased amounts of uh, playing time, potentially the inside track to making a roster spot. Uh, the, his principal competition in making a roster spot would be Eddie Tavares. Uh, Tavares was fantastic in the opener, as we mentioned on Friday's show. Uh, in, in Memphis, but he was not quite as good here. He did have seven rebounds in 27 minutes, but was less than part of the offense by all counts. Had uh, only, a, only a handful of shot attempts and was not quite as productive, but uh, the seven rebounds in only 27 minutes is pretty darn solid for Tavares. That's something that we kind of know he can do. And the Hawks, uh, you know, while it'd be great to get a win and play a little bit better, uh, you know, not a ton to take away from that. And it's really, really tough to evaluate without being able to watch. So that's another part of why I'm very, very excited to get into the building of Phillips Arena uh, tonight or you know Monday night as you listen to this uh, to see the team play firsthand. And uh, you know at, at this point, I'm assuming that Dwight Howard and company will be available. Paul Millsap, maybe not, but uh, the uh, the guys who took the night off in uh, San Antonio, more or less, uh, should be available here. That'll be a lot. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, we can move on though from Saturday night's game. Hit on a couple of other things on this podcast. It's going to be probably on the short side today considering we have a big, uh, I almost said a big game, but a significant game, given that it's the first home t- first home game and also the, the game is broadcast on television, which is very nice for the local fan base to get their first sort of full glimpse at this unit. Uh, Zach Lowe, uh, I almost said friend of the podcast, but uh, you know certainly somebody who I, I respect a great deal who's uh, always been nice to me in person, and I've, I've talked to Zach a few times, came up with his annual league pass rankings for the uninitiated here. Uh, NBA League Pass is the uh, system by which people can watch every single NBA game uh, throughout the season uh, if they purchase this package. And there's often uh, a discussion about the, the teams that are, you know, worth watching on a nightly basis more so than others on the League Pass rankings. The Hawks have always been high on a ranking such as this, is sort of a watchability standpoint, an entertainment standpoint, especially under Mike Budenholzer with the way that they have played in recent years. But I was surprised to see 
that Zach Lowe uh, dropped them all the way down from number 10 a year ago on the list of the, on these watchability rankings all the way to number 25. Um, that was jarring for me. I still appreciate Mike Budenholzer's style of play, but Z- Zach is uh, pretty, as we mentioned on the uh, podcast last week, uh, Zach and Kevin Arnovitz were not particularly high on the direction of this team in the short term. And I think that kind of uh, bleeds over into these league pass rankings where there's enough uncertainty around watching Dwight Howard play. He's not the most fun guy to watch in the world, even when he's playing well because of the hackish, the hackashack stuff, the hack of Dwight stuff. That hurts the quality of play in terms of the of, of the viewing perspective. And also Dwight's just not a, not a very aesthetically pleasing player on either end of the court. So there's some of that. Also Dennis Schroeder is a frustrating player. It's not... The team probably won't be quite as freewheeling on the offensive end as they have been in, in recent years, so that should hurt things. And uh, also, I think Zach was really indicating that this team's more conventional, and you know, conventional play is oftentimes boring for someone like Zach who has to watch basketball, you know, every night of every night of the season, really be dialed in. You want to be as uh, as unconventional, as entertaining, as uh, unique as possible. That was something the Hawks were able to do, especially during their 60-win season, was that they were so much fun to watch offensively with the ball movement. They were sort of a basketball purist dream because of all the unselfishness and the, the quality shooting and really just uh, the way that the ball moved all the time uh, under right Budenholzer to the point where they, uh, the hashtag Bud movement cre- was uh, created to uh, facilitate really the way that they passed the ball and just kind of swung the ball from side to side in beautiful fashion. There's going to be a lot less of that, I think, this year, and that's really going to be uh, a hindrance to the watchability product. And also on the defensive end, I think a less frenetic pace defensively. Uh, they might be very good on defense. Uh, I think Brett Legree was the highest person we talked to on that on that end of the court. But the Hawks have the talent and the pieces and the coaching to be very good defensively. But I think it will be a less entertaining brand of defense uh, with all of the activity and all of the, uh, the speed in which they played defense last year with Horford and Millsap at the center of things. It's going to be more of a traditional uh, feed-based defense where they're sending people toward Dwight in the middle, uh, less uh, flying around on that end of the court. So that could certainly be a part of that. I would encourage you. To go out, go out, go out and check out the league pass rankings. Uh, Zach does a great job on these, and uh, for people such as myself who are dialed in the league pass on a nightly basis, it really helps to prioritize games that you want to watch. And uh, Zach is uh, as, as dialed in as anybody in the league, and as respected as anyone on basketball Twitter and sort of in the blogosphere and the writer sphere as anybody uh, around the NBA. So that's worth checking out for sure. Uh, the next thing I wanted to get to is that uh, ESPN player profiles are now available. They've been out for about a week, maybe a little bit more than that. But each and every year, ESPN Insider comes out with a, a, a profile, you know, a couple hundred words on every single player in the NBA. This year, the, the profiles were written by Bradford Doolittle. And while they are Insider content, so you want to go ahead and sign up for Insider if you're not uh, if you're not a member already. That's, I would encourage you to do that. There's always some good content there from people like Bradford and Kevin Pelton, uh, Amino Hassan. There's a bunch of good stuff on Insider that makes it worth the price of admission there. But I wanted to go through a few things that I thought were noteworthy from those player profiles. Uh, first off, they talked about uh, they were not particularly kind to Dennis Schroeder's defense. I thought was interesting. I thought Dennis was pretty good defensively. A year ago, but uh, mentioned uh, Doolittle mentioned his lack of size on defense and the fact that he's a below-average rebounder. Those are both things I can't quibble with. Those are both observations that I think are accurate. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Dennis does defensively this year. Um, I think they also expressed more uh, more skepticism for Kent Bazemore's on-ball defense than I expected. Um, projected a little bit more potential for his offensive creation than I might have uh, pictured. From, from Kent as a guy who I think is still a secondary creator at, at the very best, but we're pretty high on that. They painted Dwight Howard 
as a defensive uh, and rebounding specialist, which I think is definitely accurate, uh, while at the same time pointing out that his mobility has become an issue on the defensive end of the court. Offensively, uh, Dwight was kind of seen through the prism as uh, something that I've been driving home about, how he's much better at pick and roll than he is in the post. It's really just about willingness there with Dwight. Uh, as far as Tim Hardaway Jr. has been a popular topic of conversation, as we talked about a little bit earlier, his rough shooting out on Saturday. Uh, better shot selection was credited uh, for his uh, his uptick last year in Atlanta versus his previous stops. That's something the Hawks are very good at doing with most players is kind of telling them what, what they can and cannot do and kind of providing them with the best way to succeed or not succeed offensively. Um, they also put forth an interesting comparison for Torian Prince as a guy I've had a, a, some a difficult time kind of finding a comparison for. Uh, Damari Carroll is a guy you always hear for Torian Prince, but do a little put forth Robert Covington for uh, Torian Prince as a as a comp. That's an interesting one for me. NBA uh, non NBA diehards, I should say, probably won't know too much about Covington since he's been playing in Philadelphia on the worst team in the league in the last couple of years. But Covington's sort of a small ball four type who can space the floor, play some defense. Kind of just do everything as sort of a traditional 3 and D guy, but a, a bigger body to a 3 and D guy who can play some forward credibly. I think Prince, long-term, could be playing some power forward, even if the Hawks don't want to do that right away with him. I think that uh, might be his best position moving forward even. As the league continues to get smaller and quicker at the power forward position, I think Prince could certainly fit in there as a nice piece moving forward. Also, they praised uh, Doolittle praised DeAndre Bembry's creation and passing and also expect, express some skepticism about his shooting. This is where I tell you that that's kind of the scouting report for everybody on DeAndre Bembry, so nothing to see here, but it's worth noting, and again, driving that home, is that Bembry is such a hawksy player, but perhaps the most hawksy pick imaginable is a guy who can't really shoot right now but does everything else that you want him to do, and it'll be a nice project for Atlanta. Um, I thought also Jarrett Jack's 2015-2016 season was described as a bad season, quote-unquote, even before his injury, and I would be uh, I would be in full agreement with that. Um, Jack, for a lot of people, has been presented as the backup, and I'm I'm sort of on Team Malcolm Delaney in that regard. But uh, the fact that uh, Jack was not good last year, even before the injury, is something that I've been saying, and I think is worth noting as he gets up there in age. Is that it's not only injuries, but really overall inefficiency, age, and et cetera, just kind of not playing that well last year, even before the injury. Um, also on Eddie Tavares. The uh, profile mentions that he led the D-League in block percentage, defensive rating, and offensive rebound percentage last year, which is a heck of a combination. Uh, even if it is the D-League, that's certainly impressive, and that kind of lends itself to the fact that Eddie is, uh, Eddie's projections are very, very encouraging on a permanent basis, and the translations for moving from the D-League to the uh, NBA. Uh, it's, again, it's, it's a different game, and the translations are not always accurate, but his numbers were really off the charts in the D-League. He also finished second in the D-League last year in field goal percentage, so that kind of speaks to his overall efficiency on the offensive end of the court. Even if he's not spectacular, he will finish around the rim effectively against real professional competition. So uh, I'm really high on Eddie as far as the player profile, and it'll be interesting to see. That's kind of in line with RPM and the stuff that Kevin Pelton's put forth on Eddie, but it's definitely worth monitoring as he gets more and more playing time in the preseason. And uh, if he's able to be on this team uh, moving on to the regular season, given the fact that they have to make a cut or a trade somewhere, uh, Eddie will be uh, worth monitoring, especially because, look, Tiago Splitter is not available still. We don't know about his status for Monday night, but until he sees the court, Eddie is the one defensive-minded, real natural center on this roster if Splitter's not around, and that's might be an X factor for Eddie in terms of making the team. Uh, with that out of the way, I do want to take a couple of mailbag questions before we get out of here on this fun Monday. 
Uh, the first comes from our good friends at Fox Sports South who reach out to me uh, via their new Hawks, uh, Hawks-based Twitter account. I would encourage you to follow that at Hawks on, at Hawks on FSSC. Uh, that's that's definitely something you want to follow because they they're not splitting out their content and all their hawk stuff will be found there. And uh, the guys do great work over there. Zach Diller, Corey McCartney, and company do great great stuff. Um, they ask me sort of tongue in cheek, uh, which TV network owns the all time NBA record for Bay's gazes caught on camera? Obviously pointing to the fact that Fox Sports is the uh, Fox Sports South is the uh, content provider for the Atlanta Hawks for the great majority of the regular season. Uh, you want to definitely t- dial in there. If you, if you if you don't get Fo- if you don't get Fox Sports South on your television, you're not going to see a lot of Hawks basketball this year. If you're a local person and you're uh, blocked out and you're blacked out from League Pass, so you're going to want to f- remedy that as fast as possible. Unless you have other another method, or if you're a season season ticket holder or something like that, Fox Sports South is the way to go. And uh, for all your Bay's gaze needs as well as all of your basketball needs, so I thought that was funny and wanted to include that here. And the one actual question, uh, basketball question, came from Brad Power on Twitter. He has a nice first name, as you might imagine. Uh, he asks, if the season ends and the Hawks miss the playoffs, how hard do we push to keep Paul Millsap, and what do we look for in the lottery? There's a lot going on in this question. I think it's pretty unlikely that if the Hawks uh, were on track to miss the playoffs that they would actually keep Millsap. I think if it's uh, if the first half of the year uh, prior to the trade deadline is ugly enough to where the missing the playoffs is really a thing that could happen within reason, the Hawks are going to look to at least explore trade options for Paul. That would be the smart move. But you know if they're if, if they're potentially playing better than that, it might suffer a, a, a major injury down the stretch that costs them a playoff spot after the trade deadline, and they kind of are backed into a corner. Uh, there is a scenario in which they miss the playoffs with Paul still on the team. So um, if, if that's the case, as the question is here, I think uh, it won't change too much as to how they present with Millsap. I, I still am in the camp. If I, if I had to guess right now, I don't think Paul's going to be on this team next year. As much as I love Paul, I think he's a very, very good NBA player, potentially a great NBA player. Um, it's just the fact that he's going to be 32 and commanding a huge salary. And if the Hawks want to keep flexibility moving forward, um, it's going to be easier for them to move on from Paul. Uh, so if you if you if you give me the option to also tra- also all, with all the trade stuff that could happen during the season, I think it's more likely than not that Paul's not on this team. Uh, if we get to the end of the year and he's still on the roster, then that probably swings in the other way, and that he's probably more likely to be on the team than not if he closes the season. But it's going to be it's going to take probably a max contract, barring an injury to Paul, he's going to get a four year max deal from somebody. Um, it's just whether they're uh, how much money that uh, how much money that is is kind of tied to the new CBA and how that looks. But Paul's going to be in high demand if he replicates anything close to what he's done the last couple of years, and it's going to be a big decision for the Hawks as far as the lottery. If the team were to miss the playoffs, um, the Hawks are looking at a number of different directions. I think a wing would be uh, probably lower on the totem pole now that they've spent the last two first round picks this year on a wing. Um, and also point guard, I'm, I'm going on the assumption that they're, they're going to match any deal on Dennis Schroeder. That's not a lock, but I think it's a pretty pretty likely scenario that the Hawks are just going to flat out match anything that Dennis gets offered this offseason. Um, so if you say all that, I think they might look to the front court, but that, again, it's, it's too early to talk about actual you know, specific players for the lottery if they were to get there. 
But uh, this is a team that's going to draft for value. They're going to draft their guys that they like. They don't really care about perception. Uh, we've we kind of seen that with Torian Prince was a guy that was not projected to go number 12 overall, and the Hawks basically didn't care. They were going to get their guy at 12, and uh, the fact that DeAndre Bembry fell to them was very fortunate, I think, in my mind. At 21, I think he was a guy that probably should have gone a little bit higher than that. That's my personal feeling going into it, but uh, two valuable picks, I think, even if they reached a tad bit for Prince, that's a guy who fits quite well here in my view, so they don't really care about need. They don't really care about fit that much. They do care about fit a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, the way that the guy, the player approaches. But in terms of, uh, I mean, towards a position, they're not shy about doubling up, as we just saw with two wings in the same draft, and uh, a lot, a lot of stuff to be happening between now and the draft next year. But wanted to get that question, and I thought it was an interesting uh, thought proposition to talk about Paul and what could happen at the end of the year. That's going to do it for today's podcast, everybody. I want to encourage you, once again, as I do on most shows, to please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you've not done that already. Even if you uh, want to listen elsewhere and want to do us a favor, go ahead and subscribe and review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. Also, Stitcher is a good platform for us, Google Play, and our host side of Audio Boom, as well as every single podcast is hosted, and is hosted with a full post and a preview on peastreehoops.com, where I'm also a writer and sometimes editor. So uh, check all that out. Stay tuned for the uh, next podcast. And I will be at Phillips Arena tonight. You can feel the excitement in my voice, I hope. And uh, we'll be back to review all that happens on Monday night and much, much more on Tuesday's podcast. Thanks, guys, and stay tuned.